Hi, Soul Maddox. Welcome to the show. Today we have a special guest. We have Kirk Wise, director known for Beauty and the Beast, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Kirk, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Oh, great. Kirk, are you are you in LA or where are you recording in from live today? Um, I am in uh, beautiful Pasadena, California, so just about uh, 15 minutes from downtown LA. Oh, great, great. That's beautiful. We're so happy to have you on the show. And um, I wanted to know, uh, growing up, what was one of your favorite movies as a kid? Oh, my gosh. I, I, I loved movies so much growing up. I was, I was absolutely obsessed with movies. Um, so I have a lot of different favorites. Uh, uh, actually, believe it or not, one of my favorites growing up was, was uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with uh, Gene Wilder. Oh, yeah. Oh. That was that was one of my one of my uh, uh, absolute favorites growing up. I just thought it was utterly magical. I, I was I was completely captivated with with Gene Wilder's performance, and uh, uh, it just it just grabbed a hold of my imagination. Oh, that's such a cute movie. I remember the golden tickets and the little boy who fell into the chocolate lake, right? <laughs> yes, yes, Augustus, Augustus Gloop. It, one of the things that I that I loved so much about the movie was that un, unlike um, unlike a lot of movies that were made for kids, uh, uh, even at that time, um, despite the fact that the movie's a fantasy, um, I think its portrayal of kids is really accurate. <laughs> <laughs> because most of the kids are really kind of terrible, <laughs> except of course for Charlie. <laughs> yeah, I wanted I wanted chocolate so much when I saw that movie. That was like it makes you hungry oh, yeah. for chocolate. So. Yeah, when, when I watch it now, I have to actually watch it while eating chocolate. Uh -huh. So it's the only way to experience it. What's your favorite Hershey's chocolate bar or M and M's? <laughs> oh gosh, good question. Um, my favorite are Reese's, believe it or not. Reese's peanut butter cups. Those are my favorite. Oh, yummy, yum. So um, so we love Criterion Films on Filmatic. So I was wondering, do you have an inspirational movie um, like that that inspired you to go onto your film path as being this wonderful, fabulous director of world beloved, amazing films like Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, actually, uh, one of my all-time favorite films, which I actually uh, did own a, a, a Criterion version of uh, way back when uh, was uh, is was and is It's a Wonderful Life uh, by Frank Capra starring uh, Jimmy Stewart. Oh yeah, that's such a nice movie. Oh man, yeah, absolutely love it. Yeah, and so uh, so you're a director. Can you share any of your favorite directors and a favorite directing shot? Sure. My, my favorite directors, I, I'd say my biggest influences are uh, uh, Frank Capra, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Steven Spielberg, um, uh, uh, Francis Coppola, Brian De Palma, and uh, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of more modern directors. Um, I'm also also a very big fan of James Cameron and, and Paul Ver Paul Verhoeven. Um, one, of my, one of my absolute favorite shots of all time is actually from uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 
um, from 1977. came out the same year as Star Wars. It's uh, Steven Spielberg's big UFO epic. Uh, <laughs> one of the reasons I loved it so much is because uh, when I was like in the fourth grade, I remember checking a book out of the library that was all about flying saucers and UFOs. Oh, nice. And, and I was absolutely fascinated. I was completely captivated by the subject. And it's not like I'm, I'm, you know, a huge believer in aliens or anything like that. But I just love the idea of it. The, the, the idea just, just fired up my imagination as a kid. And so uh, I remember riding my bike like two miles in the rain to go to the theater that had uh, <laughs> Close Encounters playing. This was in uh, Menlo Park, California. Oh, wow. In the rain on your bicycle? In the rain on my bike, yes. I remember it well. And um, I remember sitting there, and at the climax of the film, um, there's the big reveal of the alien's mothership. You know, spoiler alert for <laughs> those who haven't seen it. But uh, uh, right over Devil's Tower, Wyoming, um, this uh, spacecraft, which is that absolutely dwarfs Devil's Tower and all the surrounding landscape, rises up over Devil's Tower. And up to that point in the film, you know, the, the UFOs are, 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 are sort of big and impressive and, and, and really amazing. But suddenly you see this, this, this vision that absolutely dwarfs everything that, you, that has come before it. And for me, seeing that, that was practically like a religious experience. <laughs> yeah, like, on the way yeah, oh my gosh. On the way home, were you looking up in the sky on your bike going, is there a ship? Is there a ship? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not then, but certainly when I was in the fourth grade, yes. I, I watched the skies a lot, hoping, hoping that I would see a UFO. So, so because we never saw any real UFOs, my friends and I used to try to fake UFO photographs. We'd like throw things in the air, try to take pictures of them against the sky. <laughs> we tried a lot of things, oh. you know, like models, you know, pennies, any anything that we could toss in the sky and take a picture of and see if it actually looked like a UFO picture. <laughs> oh, that is funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember when uh, Spielberg did Jaws. I, I lived in Florida at the beach. I was scared of the water, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that was horrifying. The, the Jaws was, was really, was absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah. So, so, um, so we're going to ask you, so, um, how did you start, um, to become this fabulous film director, especially of animation? That's an amazing, uh, career. So, can you share a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, uh when I was a, a little kid, I used to, I used to draw all the time. I just love drawing pictures, but, but, uh, it never occurred to me that that's something that you could actually go on to do for a living. In fact, in fact, when I was a, 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 a very small kid, what I actually wanted to be was a garbage man. <laughs> I, I would follow the garbage. I would follow when it was garbage day, and the garbage men would come, and you know they would hang. They would, they would like hang on the back of the truck, and the truck would go from house to house. I would run outside, and I would follow them on their entire route, just so I could watch them work, and so I could watch them pour the garbage into the back of the truck and see the big, you know, the big mechanical arm come and mash the garbage. I just thought that was really cool. And I thought it was so cool that I went home and I drew a picture of it. Wow. And unbeknownst to me, my mom uh, took that picture and she sent it to the San Francisco Chronicle. And at that time on the comics, 
excuse me, on the comics page of the San Francisco Chronicle, they had this thing called Junior Art Champion. And every week they would publish a kid's drawing, you know, that they had selected from drawings that they had been sent in from all over the Bay Area. And uh, uh, my mom sent my drawing in, and lo and behold, uh, in a couple of weeks, um, it was published. It was picked for Junior Art Champion. Oh my so gosh. I, I, opened up the news, I opened up the newspaper to the comics section, you know, and right there next to, to you know, Peanuts was <laughs> my drawing. You know, and my jaw just completely dropped open. I, I I couldn't believe it. And that was the time when my career ambition shifted from wanting to be a garbage man to wanting to be a professional cartoonist. <laughs> oh, what a, your mom like recognized your talent. That that is just such a lovely story. I love that. And then you're right there next to Snoopy and Charlie yep. Brown. Oh wow. Yeah. In fact, the, the <laughs> I think what really sealed the deal for me was that um, after it got published, um, a check came in the mail, and it was actually from the sanitation department, thank, made out to me, thanking me for the free advertising. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh my God! Yeah, it, was, it was something like ten bucks or something like that. But that, but you know, that was a fortune to me. I was seven years old. So you did two things in once. You promoted your favorite favorite career, being a uh, garbage truck driver or, or a worker, and you got a, the start of your artist animation career. So you did two and and one thing. That's genius. And how old were you? Um, I was seven years old. Seven. That, that's that's what sort of sort of solidified my 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 desire to keep cartooning and to learn more about cartooning, and uh, to eventually. Uh, I think by the time I got to the fourth grade, so I was 10 years old, I took a uh, summer course that was offered at our local community center in Palo Alto. And uh, uh, it was an animation course, They just, which was basically, you know, letting a bunch of kids kind of run riot with Super 8 cameras and create little short animated films, usually with... Uh, you know, either cut out paper or bits of clay, just manipulating them frame at a time onto the camera. And so I spent one summer just making these little films and I, I, I became absolutely hooked on, on animation. And and that's how that's sort of how the, the animation side of my of my uh, of my career got started. Oh wow. So once again a kid at uh, like a camp and you did um play animation and you actually used those super eight films. Wow, that's impressive. Who edited? Did you edit it as well? No, we worked, you know, just completely straight ahead. There was there was no editing. I didn't even storyboard anything. I would <laughs> I would I would build, you know, I would build or draw like different characters and props and I'd put them down under the camera and I would just start making stuff up. <laughs> Um, so I literally worked straight ahead. Oh man! And, and whatever you know, whatever was was shot was shot. It's like the only storyboard just would kind of evolve, you know, out of the work itself. Oh wow! I used to when there was mud. I lived in Florida, and there was like this little mud. I made clay clay people, and I lived away from all the kids, so I just was like playing with clay mud people. So so that <laughs> so so this is really great for our audience listening. If they're kids or anyone wants to be a filmmaker, that like just playing can like. Um, you know, push you or elevate you to that Absolutely. So that Absolutely. And, and it, it's, I mean, if there are any kids who are, who are interested in creating uh, stop motion animation, which is what I was doing uh, as a kid, 
there are there are literally apps that you can get that let you do that on your phone. So you you can you can immediately you know you can download an app and and be creating stop motion animation for yourself. You know within. 10 minutes after listening to this podcast. <laughs> I love it. Well, we got to get you, we got to get you your own app. It'll be the Kirk Wise animation app, you know. Hey, hey <laughs> investors from Girls Guide to Investing, guess who we're going to invest in? <laughs> so, uh, so then did you went, did you go to college or then how did you? Yes, actually, uh, uh, you know, my, my habit of drawing cartoons and, and, and making short films persisted uh, pretty much all the way through high school. And it was about midway through high school that I learned about uh, CalArts, California Institute of the Arts, uh, there in Santa Clarita, California, which is about uh, uh, about 45 minutes north of Los Angeles. And um, I learned about their character animation program, which was actually designed in consultation with the Disney Studio. And the professors of that program, the mentors of that program, were actually former Disney artists. Oh, and when I learned about that, I was like, that's, that's really when it occurred to me that, that studying animation, studying to be a professional animator could actually be a, a viable career path. Because up to that point, I was more focused on being a cartoonist, like the type of cartoons you'd see in the newspaper. Um, but the, 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 you know, like I said earlier in the interview, um, I was such a film lover. I was I, I was so obsessed with movies. Um, you know, by by the time I was in high school, I was working in a movie theater um, as my you know as my part time job. And so suddenly, here was this chance to kind of blend these two obsessions of mine: my obsession with drawing and cartooning, and my obsession with film and filmmaking. And so, so CalArts offered me a chance to do that. And so I spent about a year putting together a portfolio of, uh, of sketches and rough drawings of, of, of characters, of, of humans and animals in, in action. And uh, I applied to the school and uh, was lucky enough to be accepted. And that's a, a Cal Arts, for those listening, that is one of the top, top, top schools for major talent. So congratulations. Yes. They certainly picked yeah. a winner. Yeah, they recognize your talent. So you went to Cal Arts and you 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 studied your um. Then you you fell in love with animation, right? Uh huh. Yeah, I, I was there. I was at Cal Arts for four years, and and uh, every year you're expected to produce a short student film, a short animated film. So so I made. Uh, I ended up making up uh, over the course of my of, of my. Uh, 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 time at CalArts, I made uh, three student films. Um, by my fourth year, I had actually started uh, working professionally. I'd started doing like freelance animation professionally. And uh, uh, my teachers were kind enough to give me uh, course credit for, for, for doing that. Oh my God, so, that's great. Because, because they felt like it was really, you know, that I was I was kind of learning a lot of, of uh, learning a lot about the business and learning a lot just about uh, learning a lot of kind of elements of the craft on a technical level. I was learning them, uh, 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 you know, sort of by doing. I, I, I was I was expected to kind of to kind of raise my game up to this kind of professional level, and there was a lot of stuff I didn't know that that that. Uh, uh, 
you know, I really only learned by, by taking this job my, my senior year at CalArts. So, like I said, you know, I was able to get course credit for it and, and, uh, and graduate in 1985. And um, one of the earliest projects that I worked on after getting out of school uh, was a movie called The Brave Little Toaster. The Brave Little Toaster? Yes. Oh, so cute. Have you ever seen it? It's really good. You should, you should look it up. I'm going to. I'm going to. Yeah, it sounds so it's, cute. It's adorable. It's, it's, it was uh, directed by Jerry Reese, who's an incredibly talented animation and live action filmmaker. Um, and me and a bunch of my friends, a bunch of my friends who had just graduated from CalArts, uh, all got jobs on this movie. It was done for a very small budget and a very short schedule. And, uh, uh, you know, they needed to hire a crew of artists who, you know, had a great deal of energy and, and enthusiasm and, and, you know, hopefully talent <laughs> who they could get for, you know, relatively cheap. <laughs> and that was us. So that's how we all ended up on the Brave Little Toaster and how we all met Jerry. And, and a lot of us who worked on that movie, our career paths have, have intertwined you know, for the past uh, 35 uh, years now. Oh, my gosh. So can you tell us how you, um, like, one of your favorite animation, or, you know, how did you start on one of these big world, you know, world-loved, uh, you know, animations? Because, you know, we'd love to hear, like, Beauty and the Beast. Us girls want to know about that. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, I was actually, uh, after, after transitioning, I, I was working full-time at that point at, at uh, Disney, uh, at the time, we put, it was called uh, Walt Disney Feature Animation, and um, I had just rolled off of a movie called Oliver and Company, and another movie called The Rescuers Down Under. Oh yeah, and, I remember, that's so cute. Uh, I had done, I had done a little animation on The Rescuer, on, excuse me, on Oliver and Company, and uh, some storyboarding on Oliver and Company, and some storyboarding on Rescuers Down Under. That was the first time I would I, I uh, did storyboarding professionally, at least at Disney. And uh, I enjoyed storyboarding so much that that became my focus. I, I actually stopped uh, being an animator and focused entirely on being a storyboard artist. And uh, I was teamed up. At one point, with uh, Gary Trousdale, who was a former CalArts classmate, and we were assigned this this little project uh, for uh, Epcot Center down in Florida. It was a attraction called Cranium Command, and <laughs> once again, I was working with uh, Jerry Reese, who had been kind of my mentor on the Brave Little Toaster. And uh, Gary and I's job was to was to essentially write and storyboard this four-minute animated pre-show to Cranium Command. And uh, uh, we had to do it on a very short schedule. We kind of inherited the project uh, from a different creative team who had sort of taken it to a point and the Disney studio was not happy with the work they'd done. And so they basically decided to throw all of it out and bring me and Gary onto it. So, so, uh, uh, basically, ninety days we had to turn around this whole project, this this little Cranium Command pre-show, and we managed to do it. It, it was uh, uh, they can 
um, the attraction was was successful. People liked it. They they liked the short film that we did. Um, and it wasn't long after that. This is this is about this is in like late nineteen eighty nine um, that uh, we learned that um, Beauty the Beast, which had been in development while Gary and I were working on Cranium Command. Uh, we learned that Beauty and the Beast was uh, having a little uh, uh, story trouble. And uh, it had gotten to the point where the studio was so unhappy with the direction it was going that they decided to let the original directors go. And uh, uh, the original director on Beauty and the Beast was a guy named Dick Purdom, and he was a, a London-based uh, animator and director. You know, really, really talented, amazing, amazing artist. But uh, uh, they had gotten to a point with him and his version of the story uh, that they just, you know, uh, they, they felt like they needed a fresh approach. And so they decided to bring in Howard Ashman, who had uh, just you know, won an Oscar for, for uh, his songs for The Little Mermaid. And they wanted to, him and Alan to reconceive Beauty and the Beast as a musical, because up to that point it hadn't been a musical. And at the, while, while Howard began to kind of work on a new outline with the screenwriter, Linda Wolverton, Gary and I were, were basically shipped off to New York to go work with them, you know, kind of, kind of in the role of acting directors. They, they weren't, they weren't, um, uh, they were a little worried about giving us this, this, this huge, this huge responsibility, you know, just even though they were really happy with this little four minute short that we did. Um, so they didn't want to quite commit to us, you know, all the way. Okay. We're going to make you acting directors, you know, and eventually we'll just, you know, we'll tap you on the head with our magic wands and we'll turn you real, real directors. Uh, so, um, Gary and I worked on Beauty and the Beast for probably about, I want to say, six to eight months before they finally committed and said, said, okay, you guys are the directors. And, uh, we were on that movie for two years. We, we had, we put together a completely different team of artists. We, we worked with the writer and uh, the story crew and the visual development crew and came up with a whole, uh, a look for the movie and a whole kind of spirit and tone for the movie. And that was all in collaboration with Howard. Um, and that's that's how how Gary and I become uh, became involved with Beating the Beast. It was kind of it was kind of serendipity. Wow, it's such a cute movie with the teacup and uh, the singer and the china and the teacup and oh my gosh, just such a cute movie. And it's just a just oh uh, you can watch it over and over and over and over again. It's an amazing. <laughs> yeah, and it's so fun. You know, I don't know if you know that I I do have enchanting book readings. It's all kids stories. So, uh, yeah, that's like a dream come true if I ever get one of those books to turn into a film. So, but like Disney has like, oh my God, the best, you know, animation films ever. And then is there another one you want to share with us? One of your favorites that you've done? Uh, favorites that, I, that, that I've worked on when yeah. I was at Disney? Or whatever animation film that you want, because you've got a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, uh, uh... Uh, some of my favorite uh, Disney animated films growing up, you know, those movies were also a big part of my childhood. But some of my, my uh, favorite uh, Disney animated films growing up were, were uh, uh, 
I think uh, Pinocchio, um, Lady and the Tramp, oh, and yeah. uh, and Jungle Book. I think those those were were three of my favorites. You know, all all for different reasons. Pinocchio because it's just so lavish and beautiful, and and just kind of transports you to this to this you know amazing fairy tale world. And uh, uh, Lady and the Tramp is is just uh, such such. You know, the animation is so beautifully observed. The the designs of the dogs are so are so appealing, and and the animation of the dogs themselves is done uh, with so much uh, 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 love and affection for for the actual animal. They're they're they're, they're uh, not only uh, in the anatomy and in the movement, but in in the expressiveness. Uh, it, it's just it's just a beautifully observed movie, I think. And um, uh, did I say Jungle Book? Was that my last yes, one? Yes, you did. Jungle Book. Uh-huh. Yeah, Jungle Book. Jungle Book. I think has has probably is probably the most fun uh, Disney animated movie that I think was ever created while Walt was alive. In in terms of of uh, just the songs and the story and the characters and the relationships. Uh, they're so warm and funny, and the songs are so memorable. Uh, there's really nothing like it. I think I think it really really stands out. Oh yeah. So um, also, I just want to know, like, um, how has it been? How has COVID affected your art this year? We're all in, you know, been locked down. So how, how has that been yeah. for you? Um, I was I, I was actually uh, working on an animated film, a CG film, uh, kind of a small low budget film called Bobbleheads. Um, for uh, for Universal, this is for their home entertainment division, and uh, uh, I was working on that with a small crew in Santa Monica and a much larger crew in in Nepal. Um, they were they were our our animation provider, and when COVID hit, you know everybody had to go home. We went home. Our entire crew in Nepal went home, and we. You know, our, our, we had to figure out how we were going to get this movie done. And so, uh, you know, thanks to modern technology, everybody was able to work remotely and we were able to, to, to collaborate using uh, uh, apps like Shotgun and um, uh, CineSync. That's another one. Um, CineSync was hugely important. It, it basically enabled us to screen uh, uh, shots of animation in real time. Everybody was looking at the same screen at the same time and and everybody who was participating in the session had the ability to either you know freeze on a frame or rewind it or advance it and we could speak in detail about every single shot uh, uh, in real time, collaborative, you know even though we were we were half a world apart. So, so uh, uh, you know, modern communication technology made it possible for us to finish that movie. I think, I think if the if the uh, uh, pandemic had hit even five years earlier, I don't think we would have been able to get it done. Oh, so so that the bobblehead is 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 it coming out? Is that what's coming out for you? Like when yes, bobblehead is actually on Netflix right now. Okay, I think I saw it on. Uh, I think I saw some promotion. So bobbleheads! Oh my gosh, that's you! Oh, oh yay! So, uh, uh, this has just been so fun having you on the show, Kurt. And I just wanted to just 
Thank you so much. And where can people keep up? Like if they want to see any of your movies, do you have any social media? Where is there a, a web, uh, Facebook page or any kind of page? You well, I, 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 sadly, I, I'm a bit of a social media Luddite, I'm, I'm afraid. Um, uh, the best place to find my movies these days is on Disney+. Plus. Everything I worked on at Disney, um, you know, Beauty and the Beast, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, um, Lion King, which I did some story work on, and a live action movie called Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, which, which I, I helped uh, uh, cast and write and record the dialogue for the animals in that movie, um, as well as uh, a couple of Disney nature films, one of them uh, called Chimpanzee, which I did some work on. I helped write some narration for that. Um, those are all on Disney Plus. So if you, if, you, if you want to find my work, Disney Plus is probably the best place to look. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today, Kirk. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It was my, it was my pleasure. Oh, great. Well, tune in for next week, Filmatics, and thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Stay healthy.